Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, the Prime Minister meets for the first time with his new cabinet. To pull together the country, to focus on issues of economic growth for the middle class, to fight climate change, and to keep Canadians and their communities safe. That is our focus, and this is the team to do that. The new Deputy Prime Minister acknowledges the country faces big challenges. These big challenges that we're facing today in 2019, very, very many of them require a, an effective relationship between the provinces and the federal government. And the opposition says Justin Trudeau's cabinet does nothing to address Western alienation. In one mandate, Trudeau has ignited a separatist movement that now has more public support in the polls than at any time in Canadian history. Uh, that, along with the revitalization of the Bloc Québécois, an or a movement that was dead four years ago, signals that this Prime Minister has made our country more divided than it's ever been. It's Thursday, November 21st. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by National Post columnist John Iveson. Good morning, John. How would you compare the swearing-in in 2019 to the one that happened four years ago with the brand-new Trudeau government? What's different this time around? Yeah, this is a much more somber and serious uh, cabinet that has been sworn in, and much more somber and serious prime minister, I think. You know, if you remember that day, it was early November, it was unseasonably warm. Um, Trudeau striding like a conquering Roman, Roman general up the uh, the uh, driveway of Rideau Hall flanked with this gender balanced cabinet. There was nothing triumphant about yesterday. The ministers trudged in in this kind of bleak, gloomy November day through the the trees, which had been stripped of their leaves and the snow on the ground. It was the feeling couldn't have been more different, and I think it reflects uh, the sense in government that they've been too self congratulatory, they've been too frivolous almost too juvenile, and now is the time to, to actually grow up and get things done. Um, you know, I, I noticed that there was a, there's an operations committee has been created. There wasn't an operations committee. Prior to this, the league committee was about agenda results and, crucially, communication. It was all style and less, not as much substance. Now, I think the operations committee is to make sure that the initial ideas that everybody gets excited about are then implemented. So I think that's a real criticism, legitimate criticism, of the first four years of the Trudeau government. Do you think this cabinet and uh, do you think the people in the key roles in this cabinet can deliver? Can they achieve results? Well, I think, you know, I penned a column earlier this week saying it doesn't really matter who's in cabinet because the policy is already decided upon by the unelected group around the prime minister. Um, I don't see any sign of that changing, and I don't think that the, the, the direction of this government is likely to change. Um, I think that they genuinely believe that if they just promised Quebec a little bit more, they might have got this majority government. They wouldn't have had so many um, writings go to the Bloc Québécois. So the, the direction will be unrelentingly leftward, spending money. Um, you know, we have 10 ministers from Quebec in this government uh, as opposed to eight in the last one, some senior positions going to, to Quebecers, uh, Francois Philippe Champagne at Foreign Affairs, Stephen Gibault at uh, Heritage. I don't see much change at the centre as far as 
the substance. I mean, I think they're trying to stylistically change things. I think the operations committee is a good thing. I think it's good that they've left Morneau at, at finance. It's good that they've left Lametti at justice. But by and large, this is a, a cabinet that is geared up towards winning more seats in Quebec in the next election and therefore converting minority into majority. Let's talk about Christia Freeland, the new Deputy Prime Minister and Minister of Intergovernmental Affairs. Uh, one of the interesting things that came to light yesterday was that she will still have some oversight of Canada's relationship with the United States and the final negotiations in getting the new North American free trade deal across the finish line. Uh, that's kind of an interesting uh, dynamic because there is a new foreign affairs minister, as you mentioned, François-Philippe Champagne. So uh, they'll have to work together, obviously, which is not unusual in a cabinet. But I do find it interesting, and I think others have commented on this, that, that she's still got a hand in her old job, in a way. Yeah, and... You know, I think that this is really sugaring the pill. You know, if you if you go from foreign affairs to intergovernmental affairs, uh, you know, most people would see that as a demotion. And I think they had to sweeten it a little bit for her by making her deputy prime minister and allowing her to keep this, uh, to get the new NAFTA over the finishing line. I think Champagne, is, his, his role is to get Canada a seat in the Security Council. You know, he's energetic, he's personable. Um, that seems to me to be his principal goal. I'm not sure that he's a... Uh, deep thinker or an independent source of uh, of power. I think that he's, he's somebody they know, the centre knows, will do what he's told. I mean, that's how he's got to where he is. And that seems to be all that matters to most of the people in, this, uh, in the Prime Minister's office. Is Freeland effectively now the Minister of National Unity? Well, that seems to be the role. I mean, I think that's going to be hard for her. There are, you know, premiers like talking to the Prime Minister. She's going to have to uh, get their attention and their respect, and I think to do so, she's going to need some funds and she's going to need some political latitude. I don't doubt that uh, she's going to try and uh, exert her authority. It remains to be seen whether um, that is appreciated in the PMO. I mean, there was tension between Freeland and the Prime Minister's office over NAFTA. Anyway, I I think she got quite a lot of the credit and, and there was a feeling in the PMO that really it was people around the Prime Minister who got the who got the deal uh, signed because uh, there was a breakdown in relations with Freeland and Lighthouse of the US Trade uh, Commissioner. So, you know, that tension exists already and it remains to be seen whether she can work with, with PMO as she tries to carve out a role for herself. I think the, the appointment of Seamus O'Regan as Minister of Natural Resources does not help her. I mean, he makes the claim that he's from Newfoundland and that's a, a centre of natural resources, but he doesn't have experience in the industry. And, uh, you know, I noted that the, the, the Liberal election campaign on the prairies was coordinated by a Newfoundlander with unspectacular results. It seems to me, unless he really immerses himself in the politics of this, of the oil patch, realises it's not about him, it's about them, get some good advice from people who understand the disconnection in the, in the West. And I think that that is going to come unstuck. Um, Jim Carr has been appointed in this kind of roving ambassadorial role, but obviously he's not well at the moment. He's going to look after his health. It's not clear how, how much he can travel. So I think that they've all got their work cut out trying to uh, to put the, the pieces back together again in a, on a relationship that is increasingly fractured. 
Now, regarding Jim Carr, it was interesting to see that paragraph added to the news release announcing the federal cabinet, saying that while Jim Carr is not in cabinet, uh, that uh, he will be responsible for the prairies and act as an advisor to the prime minister on that region of the country. After all the speculation about what might be done to include somebody from Alberta and Saskatchewan in the cabinet, despite the fact that there are no liberal MPs in those two provinces, uh, do, do you think this is, a, is going to be viewed as a satisfactory solution? Well, I don't think there was any possible satisfactory solution. Um, but, I mean, Carr, if he's fit and well, is definitely a, a, an addition. Somebody who, while he's not from those two provinces, he's clearly a, a Prairie MP and um, I think commands respect across the spectrum. So, you know, a fit Jim Carr changes the situation, but I don't think that um, Alberta and Saskatchewan are going to be impressed by didn't really matter what was done. Certainly not putting a senator in. Or, there was no uh, silver bullet to that. I mean, what they may want to see is some some results. Are, is there an open-mindedness to changing Bill C-69? Is there going to be uh, uh, new money for fiscal stabilisation, what, what Jason Kenney calls uh, an equalisation rebate? Uh, they were... Their uh, fiscal fiscal stabilisation fund was capped when the economy dipped in, in, in Alberta at something like $250 million. They were looking for somewhere closer to $2 billion, which is what they think they would have got if it hadn't been capped. That would be the, the loss to the economy. Um, you know, if money is forthcoming, then that makes things much easier. I think it's results, not intentions, that are going to make uh, a difference on the prairies. One other major change, obviously, was the fact that Catherine McKenna is no longer the Environment Minister and Jonathan Wilkinson has taken her place in that role. That was that that position was really a lightning rod during the first four years of the Trudeau government, and it meant that McKenna herself uh, was the victim of a number of personal attacks, including a vulgarity being spray-painted on her campaign office just days after the election. Uh, what do you think that change represents, and, and how do you expect Wilkinson to handle the role? Well, he's no less a, a committed environmentalist. I mean, that was his, his uh, livelihood before um, before getting into politics. Uh, his style will be obviously be, be, be very different. I mean, McKenna almost embraced the preachy, sanctimonious style uh, that the, the Trudeau government pioneered. I mean, Trudeau himself pioneered. Um, she tried to play that down laterally. I mean, she was aware that it that it annoyed people, um, but she almost couldn't help herself. And I don't think it's particularly her. I mean, I think that she, she can fit into the, to a more business-oriented role such as infrastructure quite easily. She's a, a lawyer and... and you know, a very smart lady. But I think her style in the House was um, was a bit unfortunate. I think it, it upset as many people as it converted. Wilkinson's a much more uh, uh, low-key individual, and I think, again, just as with the government, it's about getting on with business and not wagging their finger at people. All right, great to have your thoughts on all this uh, cabinet talk this morning, and we'll see where this goes as uh, as this new government takes shape and Parliament resumes on December 5th. John, thank you. Thanks, Mark. All the best. That's John Iveson of the National Post. We're going to have to engage in a strong and uh, positive way uh, with 
governments, uh, different orders of government right across the country. And I'm very much looking forward to doing that with Christian by my side. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In McLean's, John Geddes argues... Christia Freeland's new role is about getting a job done behind closed doors. Geddes writes, Behind Christia Freeland's NAFTA accomplishment was a remarkable, full-government effort churning along for months to make it happen. Justin Trudeau and his inner circle put everything they had behind not letting NAFTA evaporate. Will they invest as much in Freeland's bid to restore peace with the provinces? The real question is how much this government is prepared to throw behind what Trudeau is asking her to accomplish next. In the Toronto Star, Chantal Hébert argues Christia Freeland's new job puts her in the political line of fire. Hébert writes, The challenges Freeland is tasked with in her new intergovernmental affairs brief extend beyond the alienation of Western Canada or the climate change issue. By any other name, she is Justin Trudeau's unity minister. She cannot bank on cross-partisan sympathy, nor will she have the luxury of focusing her efforts on just one region. There is more than one fire to extinguish. In the Globe and Mail, Conrad Yakabuski argues, François-Philippe Champagne's appointment to foreign affairs offers an opportunity for a reset. Yakabuski writes, Under Christia Freeland, we became known for taunting, grandstanding and preaching, not to mention shirking our international obligations. Whether Champagne will seize the moment to rebuild our reputation as a principled player in global affairs remains to be seen. Like Freeland, he is extremely ambible name ignition. However, he is not weighed down by ideological baggage. In the National Post, Terry Glavin argues Beijing is probably delighted with Canada's cabinet shuffle. Glavin writes, François-Philippe Champagne comes to the job with no distinction in the field of international human rights, corporate accountability, or the defense of democracy. And there's little evidence that he's ever shown any inclination to be particularly interested in the most ominous threats to liberal democracies. For those concerned about Canada's tenuous place in a world increasingly dominated by plutocrats, autocrats and theocrats, it's not exactly welcome news. Now here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. The Prime Minister continues with the two focuses that have taken up much of his time since the election, reaching out to representatives of Canada's West and dealing with his new cabinet. CPAC's Martin Stringer has more. Mark, the Prime Minister will start off his day at 10 a.m. Eastern Time in his West Block office with a meeting with the Mayor of Calgary, Nahid Nenshi. That will be followed by a meeting in his office with the Mayor of Vancouver, Kennedy Stewart. Prime Minister Trudeau is continuing with his meetings with Western leaders in an attempt to reach out to leaders in the West and in the prairies after his party was shut out in the last election, electing no MPs in Alberta or Saskatchewan. Then, on the other front, which has been occupying much of his time, Justin Trudeau will preside over his first meeting with his newly minted cabinet at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Then, at about 3 p.m., various ministers will make themselves available to take questions from the media. Thanks, Martin. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Thursday, November 21st. Tune in to Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.